Are we up for this? Touch two people and say this is going to be good. Uh, just as by way of intro, many of you will know Sarah, my wife and I have just got back from New Zealand. We went to New Zealand for the Axe Conference there, which is uh, one of the global meetings of the Equippers Churches and some friends in New Zealand, and it was epic. Um, I got to preach twice uh, on, on the first Sunday we got there. I landed on the Saturday. We landed on the Saturday at 1 p.m. We got straight onto an internal flight, 68-seater plane with propellers, which is a little bit low. And an uh, hour across the country. New Zealand's bigger than you realise. On the globe, New Zealand's this little tiny couple of dots at the bottom, but it's actually bigger than the UK. So we, we, we flew across, and I got to preach in Napier in the morning and Hastings in the evening, and uh, God showed up, and it was so powerful. And then we went to a four-day conference aimed at leaders, and Sarah and I's prayer was that we would come back full. And uh, thank you for anyone who prayed for us, because we feel full. And we're ready to press in. And uh, this lead from here till Christmas, I believe, is going to be an epic time for us as a church. Yeah. You know, we, we can see we're growing. We have to put new seats out and all these kind of things. Just for a heads up, and um, this will be on the loop email that we send out every Monday. Please get a hold of that loop email if you don't yet receive it. But because we meet in a school, Christmas Day this year is on a Sunday. And New Year's Day this year is on a Sunday. And the school says we're not opening on those days. It's unfair to the, to the caretaker. So we can't meet on Christmas Day or New Year's Day. But what that does mean is we're going to maximise the previous couple of Sundays. So our Christmas service is the 11th of December. Please come and please bring a buddy. Yeah? Put it in your diary now. 11th of December. That's going to be our Christmas celebration. We'll have all the Christmas niceties. Our theme this year is Awake My Soul. And here's the thing. Jesus coming was really showing us what was already true, that we, but we needed to see it. And sometimes I think people are living life where they know there's something in here and they just need it sparked to life. People need to encounter Jesus. Would you bring your friend on the 11th of December to a service entitled Awake My Soul? It's for Christmas. It's going to be awesome. The following Sunday, the 18th, will be a carol service. Hands up if you like traditional carols. Most people at Christmas like a carol, so we're having a traditional carol service on the 18th. The 11th is our Christmas celebration, the 18th is our carols, and then the next two Sundays, you get time off. And I thought to myself, as a lead pastor, do I give the church time off? But you know what? It's not going to make or break us as a church, and I feel like, wouldn't it be great to actually have a rest for your family over Christmas, not feeling like you should be doing something religious? And we'll meet together in, in January and press into a great 2023. Amen? Get those dates in your diary and make sure you are there. Okay, we are in this series called I Will. I think a graphic will come on the screen. The word says many times, God says, I will. And the great thing about the, the language of I will is it becomes a promise. God isn't saying I might if I feel like it. When God says I will, he's a one that doesn't lie. So he will. And there's loads of great things, some of the things we've highlighted on our graphic. I will dry your eyes, I will answer you, I will show you hidden things, I, I will never leave you, I will give you rest, I will calm your fears, I will pour out. Can you see? The word says I will lots of times and we can hang our life on the I wills of God. We've talked about so far, I will fight for you. You can go and listen to that message if you want to. Uh, last week Sarah Jane preached a great message, I will do a new thing. Can you see so many things are being stirred up in this? Today I want to talk to you about I will guide you. I will guide you. Here's the thing. If you're at a crossroads in life and sometimes we find ourselves in that space, you need to know that God's going to guide you. 
You know, you might have a decision to make. You might have a door to push. You might need to turn in a direction. You might need to stop for a bit. But God says, I will. I will guide you. Our issue comes is when we stop pushing into God and just make our own decisions. And then we get to somewhere and think, how on earth did I end up here? And God's like, well, I was trying to guide you over here, but you did your own thing. And I love you enough to respect that you're going to do your own thing. I love you anyway, but you're over here. And I needed you over here. The great thing is God, in his grace, somehow gets us back on track, doesn't he? But this message really is to encourage you all to make the greatest decision every step of the way by allowing God to lead you. Are you with me? If we're going to hang it on a verse, here is the verse, Psalm 32 and verse 8. It says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. There you go. It's right in the word. I'm not making it up. God's word's not mine. I will guide you. This is what I love. When you understand the heart of God, where is he going to guide you? Well, John 10.10, one of my favorite verses, Jesus says, I came that you'd have life in the fullest. Kenny, round of applause for Kenny. (laughs) Jesus said, I came that you had the fullest life, the most abundant life. So if God's going to guide you, where's he taking you? To the fullest life. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, another verse we all love. I know the plans of you, declares the Lord. Good plans for your hope and your future. If he's going to guide you, where's he going to take you? Somewhere good with a future, because that's who he is. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He leads me into green pastures. What does green pastures represent? Lush places of life. It's a theme all through the word that God wants you happy and satisfied. Amen? Someone needs to get a bit excited about this stuff. You are not here to get through and hopefully one day get to heaven. You are here to flourish and bring heaven to earth. And therefore, you can expect good things. So when God is guiding you, he's guiding you to good places. Which is why it's so, so, so important that we include him in every decision we're going to make. Because if we make every decision a God decision, not a good decision, you're going to go to good places. Are you with me? Psalm 32 verse 8 says that, I will guide you with my eye. The next verse, Psalm 32 verse 9, says this. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they don't come near you. And so you can see, God wants to guide us, but he's saying so many people are like the horse. They are stubborn animals, aren't they? Hands up if you stood next to a horse. Not, quite a few, quite a few. They are big, muscular beasts, aren't they? You're not just going to go go over there and it goes. If it's not wanting to go over there, it's not going over there. So we have to train them and put a bit in its mouth to steer it and force it where it's to go because it's stubborn. A mule, I guess, is even worse. The only picture I have of a mule is the back kick. I'm not going over there. And God is saying, don't be like that. Else they won't come near me. And here's something I've noticed all through this year's preaching as I've reflected on what I've listened to and what I've preached. God is saying, church, come near. Come near me. Come near me. And here it is in this verse. Don't be like the stubborn mule because they won't come near me. Sometimes we've got to learn just to let it all go and submit to his kingship and come near to him. Why? Because he will guide us to good places. I love that right there where it says, um, I will guide you with my eye. I don't know what you're picturing. But I, um, I used to coach my son's uh, football team. And I think they were about under 10 at this age. So he's nine years old. And they got to a cup final and they're in small little goals. And it got to a penalty shootout. 
And anyone who knows anything about penalties, you have to decide where you're going to put it and never change your mind. If you decide you're going to put it over there and you look at the goalkeeper and think, now I'm going to put it over there, you always scuff it up. Whereas if you decide you're going to put it there and you kick it there, you always do well because you've decided. So in my wisdom as a coach with nine-year-old boys, I stood behind the goal and I was doing this. And every single one of them looked at me, looked where I was, guiding them with my eye. See what I've done there, see what I've done there. <laughs> guiding them with my eye, and, they, and we won, and they scored, and they came up to me. Oh, Barry, that's brilliant, it really helped me, because I nearly changed my mind. But when you did that, I didn't. And I scored, and they were so chuffed. What was I doing? Guiding them with my eye. I've got this picture of God in heaven, looking at all of us going. <laughs> but the thing is, we need to be close enough to him to be able to be guided by his eye. And that is your choice. God's up in heaven doing this, doing this, and we're going, why is my life going so rubbish? Oh, God, you're awful. He's like, can you hear me? We need to be close to the Father. So many times, I just got to back, draw near to him, draw near to him. Do you know what? It's a choice. It's a choice of discipline. How many people think they actually know how to draw near to God? Come raise your hand if you think you know how to do that. Come on, people. You are more mature than this. <laughs> Drawing near to God is in prayer. Drawing near to God is in worship. Drawing near to God is in quiet moments. It's about creating space in your busy life to make God important. And as you draw near to him, what happens? You get to hear his voice. You get to hear his heartbeat. You get to see his eye. But if you don't, it's so easy to get fuzzy and clouded and all the rest of it. It's not rocket science, but what it is, is a choice of discipline. Yeah. And guys, God has been saying all year, church, draw near to me. Church, draw near to me. Church, draw near to me. And he's still saying it. So I'm going to still keep saying it. Let me encourage you, somewhere in your world, create a discipline that works for you. Maybe you're a three o'clock in the morning person. I know my mummies. I know my mum is because I keep getting texts from her at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord for do not disturb. <laughs> I was in New Zealand and it's 12 hour time difference. And, uh, and I was getting texts. I said, mum, you're up early. She said, you know me, I'm praying. I was like, praise the Lord for mum. <laughs> but she supported me. It was so, so good. And it worked with the 12 hour time difference. Not so much in this country. <laughs> but it's for her. What works for you? Maybe... The morning is busy and you've got to get up and you've got to get the children ready or you've got to get to work or got to get on a train. And fair enough, maybe it's on the train. Maybe it's on the way home. Maybe it's when you get in, you need, you need 10 minutes. Maybe it's before you, I don't know. I'm trying to pad in your world, but I know this. Draw near to him because he wants to guide you to good places and he wants to do it like this. Are you with me? Touch three people and say, it's time to draw near to him. Here's the weird thing with us as people, because sometimes I think we are a bit stubborn, mulish. Now, you may well have been away to a church conference. You may well have been in great environments. You may have even done a fantastic church service, and you go away, and you feel so up for it. You know, it's really, really close to the Holy Spirit, really had an amazing time, really feel like you touched the heart of the Father, and you're really up for it. And you know that when you're in that space, things just go better. And for one reason or another, a month down the line, you don't stay in that place. Are you with me? Am I talking some truth here? Church, come on, it's time to stay in that place. Put the disciplines in place to stay there. Because life just goes better. And what happens? We represent heaven better. 
we flow better on earth. Heaven indeed provides everything we need. We live from a place of rest, not a place of striving. We don't get anxious when the world is getting anxious because we're ambassadors of heaven. Are you with me? Draw near to him. Isaiah 43 in verse 2 says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Another I will. And, the, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Here's the thing. By raise of hand, has anyone heard the word cost of living this week? If you haven't got your hand up, you've either been in a tomb somewhere. <laughs> the cost of living may be heating up, but those close to God won't be scorched. Come on, who's our provision? Who's our provision? Are we going to rest in peace? That was a bit wrong, wasn't it? I'm not going to die. <laughs> are we going to live in rest? That was better. Or are we going to be anxious and worry? I'll speak to my neighbours, anxious and worry, anxious and worry, anxious and worry. I want to come to a place of faith at church to say, yes, we're in the same situation as them. We're going through the fire, but I will not be scorched because my father is with me. And that means we still have to be wise. Don't go being stupid. Be wise with what you've got and let God do the rest. It does take wisdom. You will not be scorched. Why? Because he's guiding you through it and he says you will. Psalm 119, verse 105. I was going to read all of Psalm 119, but I thought I'd just go over one verse. <laughs> Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Now here it is, this same theme. What's it saying? I'm going to guide you. When you get in the word, it's like a lamp saying, that's the next step. That's the next step. That's the next step. Do you know what as people, what we want? We want the next 15 steps. God's not asking you to take 15 steps. He's asking you to take one. And then he says, okay. Your words are lamp to my feet. I can take a step. Okay, now your words are, I can see the next step. Oh, your words are lamp, I can see the next step. Can you see? When you're close to God, you take a step at a time and you end up in good places, in green pastures, where good plans unfold for you because it's always been his heart. Here's the thing. If you're not getting his word, it's like having a map with the directions on it and not looking at it. Yeah? I don't know what your reading of the words like, but can I encourage you? Get in it. Include it in your drawing close to God. Get in the word. Why? Because it's going to take you to good places. It doesn't say it's a word unto my feet for no reason. It's because it is a word unto your feet. And I love this about the word. You know, I, I don't know how many times I will have read the Bible, you know, in, in different passages. I haven't read it from cover to cover because I don't think that works, but I've definitely read all the Bible. And I can read the same passage that I read three years ago and find something new in it today. Because the, the word is alive. Do you know what changes? My filter changes. I'm in a different situation, so I'm reading the same passage through a different lens, and God speaks to me differently through it. But the wisdom's right there. So don't feel like, oh, I know this stuff. You might know this stuff, but read it again, and it will light up your path, and it will lead you to good spaces. God's heart for you is so, so good. Who knows that God sometimes says no? It's like, no's not what we want to hear sometimes, isn't it? I've got this great idea, God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do the other thing. And, and you just can't let it settle in you. And you, you, deep down, you, you know it's a no, but you don't want it to be no, so you fight about it, and that's where we need each other. You need wise people in your world. I would say at least two wise people in your world you can go to and say, I'm going to make this decision. It's not really resting on me. And they'll just say, don't be so stupid. That's all you need.
We need each other. Here's the thing. We've got Timothy, Paul, and Silas on a missional journey. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So, why? What's that all about? Does God not like Asia? Well, clearly he does because we've got a few Asians in the building, epic people. I sometimes think it's about timing. God loves the people of Asia, but now wasn't the best time. It was a good idea from Timothy, Paul and Silas, legends of the faith, but they just couldn't let it settle in them. They were wise enough and close enough to the Holy Spirit to realise it was a no. And I think it wasn't a no, it was a not now. Because clearly the word has been preached in Asia because they're sitting in the room, which is awesome. But at that time... It was a no. And sometimes, guys, we need to be close enough to the Holy Spirit to realize when it's a no. Because it's always for your protection, and it's always for your good, and it's always to lead you somewhere better. Are you with me? God builds amazing stories all around us. And he uses the people in our lives around us to let it unfold. I love the way that God just positions people in the right places at the right time and every time people get in our life and influence us God's going to take us somewhere good here's can I encourage you never lash out in anger at anyone if people are hurting you being mean to you have faith in your heart that God is still guiding you to a good place there's nothing anyone can do to affect that except you and so therefore if someone is being mean don't lash out it's okay, God, what are you doing in me? Let me learn my lesson so I take the right next step. Are you with me? Otherwise, you get full of anger and bitterness. We can find this in Joseph's story, very, very famous story. Joseph with the Technicolor dream coat. We all know the story. God gives him a picture. And the picture, ultimately, is his family bowing down to him. And in his youthful enthusiasm, he tells them. Imagine going to your father and saying, one day, Dad, you're going to bow down to me. How's that going to go? Yeah. No, it didn't go well. And his brothers, they really got annoyed. So annoyed, in fact, that they sold him. You know the journey. They sold him to traders. The traders took him off to Egypt. They sold him into Potiphar's house where he acted as a servant. This young guy who's got a dream in his heart, a God-given dream, a good dream and a right dream, didn't have the maturity to handle it. So he got sold. Now he's got out of the picture. No. God is using these people to shape his character so he can handle his future. You see, what happens is he then gets accused by Potiphar's wife. Joseph is clearly a bit of a hottie. And Potiphar's wife thinks, yes, thank you very much. And he says, no. And then she accuses him of attacking her. He gets thrown in jail. So this guy, who's just had a God dream and been foolish enough to share it, has been sold by his brothers and now put in jail, falsely accused. How's he feeling? God, where are you? What's God doing? Shaping his character. So he now goes into jail and learns his lesson. He serves with humility. He gets a great name. He gets put in charge of stuff. He bumps into the butler of Pharaoh. Now he chats with the butler of Pharaoh, and the butler of Pharaoh has this dream. And Joseph gets a God-given moment where he's able to interpret the dream brilliantly. And the butler's like, wow, that's amazing. The butler then gets released and goes to serve the Pharaoh again. The Pharaoh has a dream. And the Pharaoh's like, who can interpret the dream? Who can interpret the dream? The butler finishes his chefing, puts on his little uh, bits of bread on the table, and he hears the story. And he says, Pharaoh, there's a guy in jail who interpreted my dream, and he was spot on. You need to speak to him. 
So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream. Joseph gets made the prime minister of the most powerful nation on the, on the earth at the time. Why? Because even though difficult things happened to him, God was still guiding him. If you're having difficult things happen to you right now, don't push against them. Say, God, what are you doing in me? Because he's still guiding you. And Joseph needs to come to a place of humility because if he had no humility, how could he handle the finances of the world's most powerful nation? He wouldn't have been able to. He was positioning him. And so again, if people are being mean to you or you're in a difficult time, don't lash out at them. Say, God, what are you doing in me? Are you with me? Because God is always taking you somewhere. Can I, if you're a note taker, can you make this note? Maintain your character. Whatever is going on in your world, maintain your character. Don't react to situations and let that situation change who you are. You maintain your character. Joseph had to maintain his character. Even in his darkest hour, he maintained his character. And he was able to flow in his God-given gift. And it was that gift that opened up the door for his future, which was something I don't think he could even have dreamed of. I wonder how many people here, God's got a plan for you you haven't even dreamed of yet. And you're going through some stuff right now, but what God's doing is just falling off the edges because he needs you smooth. And right now you're a little bit gnarly. <laughs> and he wants to do some stuff in you, but it's for your good and it's for a better future. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. To understand all that, you have to be close to him. You have to be in his word. You have to be able to see the flick of his eye so you end up in the right place. Amen? Yeah. Touch the person next to say, maintain your character. We have... Uh, another story where people are involved in the New Testament, I'm going to read it to you, you'll probably be familiar with this story, it's in Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not meet him, uh, come to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and digging through it, and then they lowered the mat that he was lying on. Can you picture this for a moment? There's this paralyzed friend, and four of his mates have got a corner of a mat, and they're working together to get him in front of Jesus. I want to do a little skit because I think anyone who's a teacher understands you need to show things different ways for people to remember it. Amen? Can I have... Daisy, I want you to go to the back and lay on the mat that is at the back. Then can I have Dan Mills, can you go and be a carry a corner for me? Where's Marge? Is Marge available? Marge, can you carry a corner? Yes, we need some big strapping men. Is there a woman feeling strong? Sally, you're a strong lady. Where's Sally? Is she? Yes, Sally, yes. Come on, come on, come on. I never want to be accused of being sexist in this place. Yes, Sally. Another lady, I want one other lady, shove your hand up, you're willing to carry a corner. Someone? Amanda, yes, Amanda. Okay, unravel, unravel this, and I, I'm going to be Jesus, because clearly that's the best thing. <laughs> Come to me, my child. Unroll the mat, and I just want those that to lay on it, and you carry her to me. Watch this space. Please don't break, please don't break, please don't break. Yes. Yes. And at the feet of Jesus. Take up your mat and carry on, my child. <laughs> Round of applause for our skit team.
Thank you, guys. Now, I know in some ways that's something and nothing, but I think you're going to remember that. And here's what I want you to remember. All four of those corner carriers had their part to play. If one of them hadn't shown up, the mat doesn't work. If one of them had tried to pull the other way, the mat doesn't work. The only reason that Daisy was able to get the foot of Jesus was because four people worked together. And I want to say sometimes, guys, you, when you're close to God, God uses you in the most simplistic ways that you think, what difference does it make? But what you're doing is you're carrying a corner. You don't know who you are positioning at the feet of Jesus just by being you. Just by being in the right place at the right time and being open with your character and who you represent. Someone finds themselves in front of Jesus for a whole bunch of circumstances because you stepped up. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I'm going to tell you a story from the awesome Susie on the front row. Uh, some years ago, I, I've, I've checked this out. Some years ago, uh, let's call it a couple of years ago, um, sort of end of lockdown, Susie was in uh, Surrey, in the church at Surrey. She hadn't attended very much because it was locked down. It's all good. But she got good friends with some of the, the young people and young adults there. And um, Brave Age was happening. And uh, she was thinking, do I go to Brave Age? They wanted me to go and help. I'm not sure. She wasn't going to go. And at the last second, she, used to, she said, okay, God, I'm going to go. She just had a yes in her heart. If you're a note maker right now, just write down, have a yes in your heart. When you've got a yes in your heart, God can use it. She had a yes in her. So she turned up to Brave Age, feeling a little bit flaky and left out and not really sure, but thought, I'm just going to go. What she didn't know is that Josh was leading the youth group here. And he said to the youth group, we're going to go to Brave Age. And a bunch of them got together, and I think Amanda drove the minibus 100 miles up the way, and they had an amazing, amazing time, and they got there. What she didn't know is that, that Yannick, the youth pastor in Surrey, had pulled together an amazing venue, an amazing team, and they put on a great band and some, some great speakers and some great fun activities. And all this was going on. Susie just had a yes in her heart. And she went along to Brave Age. My understanding is she was going to go for the first night and probably that would be it. What she didn't know, she was going to see Josh. <laughs> and Josh could chip off the old block, struts in the room. And Susie's like... That's, right, that's what you said, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way <laughs> Other way around, she reckons. <laughs> They got talking, you know, cutting a very long story short, fell in love. Susie has now moved 100 miles away from her family because she wants to pursue a relationship with Josh. But more importantly this, she's serving the King of Kings. She's in church. Her faith has sparked up and stirred. She's actually now just started a new job where she's pursuing a career. Her dream is to be a paramedic, just like Sally. <laughs> And she's working in the hospital, so she's taken her steps towards it. Here's my point. She was feeling a bit flaky and left out, but she got a yes in her heart. God, she didn't know, but God was raising up Yannick. God was raising up Josh. God was raising up a band. God was positioning people here so that when she stepped into it, they were all carrying a corner. And now her life is in a good place. Are you with me? And not, yeah, come on. Sometimes we feel like we've got to do amazing, amazing things. But you know what you've got to do? Be you. Be the best version of you. And the best version of you is one that is close to Jesus. That's the best version of you.
And when you're the best version of you, suddenly God says, and you're like, I see that, I need to go over here. When you're not the best version of you, God's going like that, and you stand still or you do nothing, you go, I'm unsure, but God is looking for people to be so in tune with him, they'll step when he says step, they'll step when he says step, they'll reach out when he says reach out, they'll give when he says give, they'll hold back when he says hold back, and suddenly the church is representing heaven brilliantly. This world needs to see a church on fire. Where's the hope if it's not in the church? And you're the church. So if we're not carrying hope, no one is. So let's be people who are so close to Jesus, despite all the negative news around us, we know we're here to represent heaven. And lives will be changed. Is someone feeling stirred? Come and touch the person next to and say, we're here to represent heaven. I don't know. Is Insee here today? I haven't seen him. can't see. He's not here, but I'm going to tell his story anyway. Insee, if you watch this online, bless you, mate. Insi is an awesome guy uh, from Romania, and um, he was out of church, um, away from his family, and uh, struggling a little bit. And um, John Kidd said, came to me and said, Pastor Barry, I'd really like to just gather the men. You know, it's great to get the men together. So often that doesn't happen, and the rest of it. And so I said, yeah, brilliant, John. Now, John has done a phenomenal job at consistently creating environments for the men to gather. Yeah, give him a round of applause. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, he put on this night and um, we just went down the pub and had, had a pint and a, and a burger I mean all men love a pint and a burger and uh, sometimes that's just a good starting place get the guys together get us talking and laughing again we need each other men we know so much about mental health now don't we we need each other men and men need to talk encourage the guys to talk and you know so good what John's doing and look out for those environments as they arrive but this is Ince's story uh, Ince used to work with Nick Chisnell Nick Chisnell give us a wave there's Nick Chisnell round of applause for Nick he used to work with Nick Chisnell and uh, they got on well were you his boss wow Nick was his boss hey, Nick was his boss um, clearly people were praying for Ince at the time and uh, <laughs> and but they they became friendly and um, when John put on this event, Nick thought of Insid. He reached out to him and said, "We're having a men's night. Do you, do you fancy it? Why don't you Why don't you come along?" And um, he said, "Oh, I think I will." And then there was a bunch of guys who thought I could go to this. I might not go to this, but they said yes. There was a yes in their heart, and I don't know how many. There was about twenty odd maybe thirty guys. I don't know how many it was. A bunch of guys got together to have a burger. It was as simple as that. We just got together to have a burger. But Incy, who had been working with Nick once upon a time, got an invite by Nick and came along and had a burger with us. He's been in church maybe 80% of the time ever since. And here's my point. Incy needed to be in, in the house of God. Incy needed some encouragement. Incy needed some prayer. Incy needed to be close to the Holy Spirit. And he wasn't. But because Nick thought of him and reached out to him, and because John had put an event on, and because a bunch of guys just said yes, we were like picking up a corner saying, come to Jesus, Incy. Come to Jesus. And it's simple. So often we complicate it, but sometimes it's just a burger. Yeah. But it changes someone's life. Yeah. And what happens is, and you don't see it yet, but people come here at 8 o'clock in the morning. All this, this is just a school hall. These lights, these screens, this staging, this, these curtains. Someone arrives here at 8 o'clock in the morning to put it up. Do you know what they're doing? Carrying a corner of a mat. Because you might have a friend say, come to my church. I think you're going to be encouraged. I think you might see something different. Well, it doesn't happen without these people carrying their corner of the mat. 
and then there's someone who's going to prepare a preach. It might be me, it might be someone else. And we're doing our bit behind the scenes and your friend comes in. And how many times does your friend come in and go, wow, it's like that person was speaking to me. Well, it's just a preach, but it touched them. But the preach doesn't happen without the setup team. And then you've got the guys who are, who are serving coffee and welcoming. Now, I always say the welcome team is so, so crucial. Do you know why? Because first impressions count. If the first thing you see when you walk in the door is some loan, it's in there. It's probably going to be rubbish. Glad you came. It's so important, isn't it? Glad you're here. Oh, it's going to be a great morning. Come and enjoy. There's some lovely people here. Why don't you sit here? Let me introduce you. It makes all the difference. Do you know what you're doing? Carrying the corner of a mat. And it's helping someone draw near to Jesus. And it's so, so important. Can I just throw it out there? Take this opportunity. The setup team needs more people. Would you be willing, once or twice a month, to get here at 8 o'clock and say, do you know what, I'll carry the mat. Because someone might need to be near Jesus. And if carrying the mat means me turning up at 8 a.m. and putting the chairs out and putting the curtains up, I can do that. It's unskilled work. Even I can do it. <laughs> Round of applause for Basel at the back. Basel, give us a wave. Yeah. The only reason you can hear me today is because of Basel. And it's his first day on sound. So another round of applause. Come on. I don't agree with all the people who turned around to Basel just then and went, turn him off, turn him off. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was uh, uh, thinking in um, New Zealand a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they were talking at the front, and they were, they were taking the mickey out of the sound team. And as they took the mickey out of them, they turned all the lights off and turned the sound off. It was the funniest thing. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. It was really good. Anyway, don't do that. Can you see the point I'm trying to make? You know, if you're a note taker, here's the things. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. It is your choice. You can hear preachers all over the world say it, and they won't say it any different. Just make a choice. Create a rhythm in your life that works for you so you're closer to God, so that when he flicks his eye and says, I want you over there, you see it. You're close enough to him to see it, and you can trust him. Why? Because you know he's taking you to good places. Maintain your character. Don't let the circumstances and the struggles and the difficulties and the unkind words and the unpleasant people affect who you are. Maintain your character. Because God can use that character, just like Joseph. He had to maintain his character, even though it was unfair and wrong. And look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to attend. Look for opportunities to play your part in someone else's story. Because you can trust God with your story, but maybe he wants you to play your part in someone else's story. And it's just this picture of carrying a man. Final verse for you, Proverbs 3, my favorite proverb. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God is trying to make it easy for you. It's us that complicates it. But you know the forerunner for that? Trust him and don't lean on your own understanding. Trust his understanding. And that's a discipline. That's a journey. That's an idea of getting close to him and chatting to spiritual brothers and sisters and saying, I'm feeling this, what do you think? You're seeking the heart of the Lord together. And as you do that, he says, I will 
make your path straight because he loves you. This is a tag on if you like. I sometimes feel like the Holy Spirit's like a rudder of a ship looking to turn us. But if anyone has been on a ship, is David Watson here? No, David Watson's job is to park ships. That's a cool job, isn't it? He's actually called a pilot. But they come in the great big long boats or huge ships into Felixstowe or one of the ports and uh, the captain gets off because they're not good enough to park the ships. Dave gets on. I'll take it from here. The thing is with boats, I don't know if you've ever driven one. I'm going to do a little story now. I don't know if you've ever driven one. I went on the Norfolk Broads. How many been on Norfolk Broads before? Yes, Norfolk Broads. We had this, we had this silly little four-manner. We woke up in the morning. It was a foot and a half underwater, and um, we hadn't done anything. It was just a broken boat. So we got out of the boat and said, well, and they gave us this great, big, massive, long, huge barge of a boat. I think it was a 12-berth boat, me and my two mates on it. And we were only 17 at the time, I think. Really mature. This great long boat, and we're chugging along, thinking we're like Captain Bird's Eye or something. <laughs> and, um, and, and on the Norfolk Broads, you can pull over at lots of different places to stop and have a drink, and that's great. But we found ourselves down this, this way, and on each side of us, there were these very expensive boats. I don't know, half a million pound boats. I don't know how much boats are worth, but they were expensive boats. And we're going through the middle of them on this great long boat. We get to the end, and there's nowhere to stop, so we just jump out jump across one of these very expensive boats, have a couple of drinks, and get back in. But now we've got to reverse the boat back past these very expensive other boats. All my mates are like, Barry, you should do this one. I'm like, brilliant. So I get on the boat, and the thing is, if you turn that way, it's not like a car where you can just readjust it. When you turn that way, it starts swinging, and it keeps swinging. So it's not an instant thing in, in water, so you start swinging. Anyway, I, I, there's a couple of times we had to stick our legs out and push against the boat to stop it. And I got out, that was the biggest relief ever when I got out there and I hadn't broken anything. But this is the point I'm making. <laughs> Stay close to God. <laughs> Carry a mat. The rudder makes no difference whatsoever unless the boat is moving. If the boat is still, the rudder will flap about and it won't make any difference. But if the boat is moving and it turns, it will turn the boat. Here's the thing. If God is going to direct your steps, you have to be moving. You've got someone somewhere just has to make a decision. And sometimes, do you know what? It's not the best decision. But even God can use that. He is working all things for the good of those who love him. So make a choice. Push a door. Pray a prayer. Ask a question. Whatever it might be, invest some money. I don't know what you're up against or what situation you're in, but do something. Because then God can move you. Look at Joseph's story. Gave him a dream. He did something. Blurted it out to all the wrong people the wrong way. But he did something. God said, okay, that wasn't the best form, but I can use that. Sends him to jail. It'd be a great journey, guys. <laughs> Sends him to jail. But he ends up prime minister with power. And then his family come to him. The very people who sent him away, the family come to him. And what does he do? He doesn't send them to jail. He doesn't starve them. He loves them because God's done something in his character on the journey. But it wouldn't have happened unless he'd started something. And church, God's plans for you are good. You are here as an ambassador of heaven, but we've got to do something. Can I suggest for some of you, something might be turn up at eight o'clock and sit up. 
For some of you, it might be turn up at a prayer meeting or a connect group. For some of you, it might be go to work and share who you really are. For some of you, it might be go and lay hands on someone and pray. For, for some of you, it might be go and have a conversation down the pub with someone and, and give them your wisdom. For some of you, it might just be go and have a burger. Sometimes it's just so simple, but give God something to work with so that he can turn you. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Can I pray for you? Do you want to stand up? Let me just invite you just to close your eyes for a moment. You don't have to. There's no rules. But I think it's helpful. It's helpful to you to focus. It's helpful to the person next to you to know they're having a quiet moment themselves. Let's give Jesus our full attention. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move amongst us right now. We acknowledge and we honour your presence. We count it privilege to be ambassadors of heaven. We count it privilege to be your sons and daughters. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're for us. We thank you that you're working things in our favour. Lord, I want to pray for people who are really finding it difficult to get into a disciplined rhythm of drawing near to you. Lord, I pray that more than ever, there would be a fresh determination to create a rhythm of being close. Come on, church. Step up now. The Father is calling you close to him. Just remember the prodigal son. He went away. And the father sits on the porch every day looking out for the son. And goes to bed every night disappointed the son didn't come. But then the son decides, I'm drawing near to the father. And he comes back. And the word says the father runs to him. The father's not holding himself back. For the moment you take a step towards the father, he's going to run to you. Fling his father's arms around you and say, let's do this together. Be inspired, church. Create some rhythm. Draw near to the father. Pray for the people today who have been under pressure and falsely accused and had unkind things said and done to them. I pray for your character. Don't let anything anyone else does decide who you're going to be. Be like Jesus. Humble, kind, generous, wise, slow to speak, quick to listen. blessed be blessed I just wonder with every eye closed is there anyone here today who feels like they've got to make a change they've got a decision to make they've got to do something to change direction I'd love to pray if you give me a wave bless you I'm going to pray for you God bless you there God bless you God bless you God, oh wow. God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless you lots and lots of people haven't raised your hands let's engage together 
some brilliant, brilliant children of God are saying, I've got a decision to make. Holy Spirit, I pray as you can that you would guide the way. As these brilliant people press into you, that you'd make the path clear. That as they push doors, ask questions, change direction, that you would guide them into that green pasture. You'd guide them into good places. You'd guide them to the place of satisfaction and fulfillment. Be blessed. If you guys would like someone to pray with you, there'll be people at the end up here. Just come and chat to them and you can unpack your situation a little if you'd like to and they'll pray for you. But get alongside someone in church life in your connect group or, or someone who you know well and pray it through together. There's strength in unity. There's strength in togetherness. But be sure of this. God's plans for you are good. Have confidence in that. You will be satisfied. I pray against fear, and I particularly pray against the fear of change. Because God's doing a new thing. And he wants to do a new thing in and through you. Embrace it. You'll love it. I stir your faith in Jesus' name. Just with every eye closed, I always like to give opportunity for anyone to make sure you're in a good relationship with Jesus. If you come in this morning feeling distant from Jesus or having never known Jesus, how about praying a prayer that puts that right so you can leave this place knowing and knowing and knowing that you're close to the Father. If that's you today, give me a wave and we're going to pray together. Does anyone want to put their life right with Jesus? Give me a wave. We're going to pray. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. I think everyone's good today. Always get that opportunity. Father, I pray you'd love on your church. I pray people to leave this place encouraged, challenged, ready to play their part in someone else's journey but ready to play their part in drawing near to you so that you will oversee their journey. Let us be the church, powerful ambassadors of heaven, here to bring change, here to bring hope and here to bring life, to stand alongside the needy, to lift up the brokenhearted, to be Jesus' hands and feet, we make ourselves available to you, Father. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen.